if you want a Godzilla movie to be done correctly, make sure it's coming out of Japan because Takashi Yamazaki just knocked it out of the park with Godzilla minus one. It's number one at the box office right now. It's already three times its budget in just one week in theaters. I love this film. I've only seen maybe five or six Godzilla movies in total. This is my favorite one. I, I None of them even come close to this. Even what Gareth Edwards did, I think that was kind of just like a okay movie. Didn't really enjoy that one. And then the last one, um, Kong and Godzilla, didn't love. But this film, it felt like a Godzilla movie. It didn't feel like a studio bought the rights to the character and made their own version of it. This felt like it was just amazing. It looked incredible. The action sequences were insane. It had some really great story, character moments, good drama. And it had a lot of heart to it. Like, I cried at the end. Me too. I didn't think that I would walk into a Godzilla movie and cry at the end. And it was really touching. And on top of that, to contrast it, it was absolutely epic. And I can't believe... The budget for this movie was $10 million. $15 million. $15 million. correct you. And I had to pick my job off the floor, like, I think three times during this movie. It was such an incredible experience in a theater. So, again, written and directed by Takashi Yamazaki. IMDb Godzilla Minus One is an 8.5. Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 97% critic score, 98% audience score. Letterboxd, it's a 4.2, baby. That's wow. really good for Letterboxd. And, again, on a budget of $15 million, it's already at $42 million global after just five days at the box office and just to put into perspective of how much money this is making compared to its budget and how good it is compared to its budget godzilla minus one costs 10 million dollars less than one episode of marvel's she-hulk hold on so 10 million dollars less than an episode of she-hulk exactly so one episode of she-hulk averaged 25 million dollars for a budget godzilla minus one costs 15 million dollars holy fuck how does it look so good? Because people cared when they make this movie. They, it was a bunch of artists got together. They put their all their energy, all their creativity into one project, and they had a low budget. But you know what? It didn't stop them from creating a visually stunning movie. Of course, the CGI at times, you can point out parts that don't look incredible. But my goodness, it doesn't matter because you're so engrossed into such a great story. I mean, I would only say this, the only kind of moments of CGI that didn't look in, incredible was just some of the moments of water. Because water is very complicated to get, but you can tell they used a lot of miniatures and they used a lot of practical effects to blend with the visual effects and the CGI. So whatever they did, I was really blown away because Godzilla especially was incredible to behold. And the destruction, I can't believe the cost of this movie because the destruction of uh, Ginza, Ginzu was just absolutely it insurmountably huge and you had epic. Right. Ginza. Ginza? I think, and, yeah, Ginza. Yeah, double check it. <laughs> <laughs> Unsubscribe! <laughs> We're canceled. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show while it lasted. <laughs> and that seems like it would cost... Like, if you... If this movie was made in Hollywood, it seems like it would cost $200 million. Oh, it already has been made in Hollywood three times in the last yes. 10 years, and it's just not been amazing. It's mm -hmm. always been underwhelming and hasn't lived up to the hype or the trailers. And, you know, it's Godzilla. It's this icon from Japan for the last 60 years, 70 years. And this is my favorite one as well. And I was just having such a great time in the theater. But when it comes to visual effects and practical effects, like you said, miniatures involved heavily in this film. You could see it especially in the first act. But also... Godzilla in this film, um, giant kaiju, it's all CGI. However, what I think Takashi did so well with his direction is they made a, a Godzilla that looked like the suit motion, like a guy inside of a suit. It, it almost looks like a practical Godzilla, and I think that it probably decreased the cost of making the Godzilla, but also makes it feel authentic to the real story of Godzilla in terms of the original film and the history of the character. I loved because so we've seen a bunch of different interpretations in America of Godzilla, and they've made him sleek, 
They made him sexy, sexy, they made sexy Zilla in two thousand. Independent uh, artist, you know, he's got his own pop punk band. Yeah, <laughs> the Zillas, <laughs> the Zillas, <laughs> God in the Zillas. And they, I am Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> but they they always made it so that it was like in contextually, objectively more realistic to the world, like the real world that we know. And like, if a creature like this existed, it wouldn't have maybe this huge stout body and thick legs like he's got a thickness a to a thick him. boy and tiny arms but that was the original suit and when i watched this film it just kept harkening back to the originals especially they kept using that brass theme the original godzilla theme which sounded fantastic bum, bum, in bum, this bum, modern bum. context it was unbelievable bum, 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 bum. but i love the design it just was it felt like a contemporary technology was used to create to just remake the original suit and the way godzilla moved in this it was like, you're right, it felt like it was someone in a suit. And for me, that made it better than it would have been if they tried to make it more um, nimble, more elusive, if it was like jumping around, like more like the kaijus in Pacific Rim. I don't think it would have felt the same, and that's why I think the other Godzilla movies, especially the recent ones, have never felt right. And one of the great strengths to this is Takashi Yamazaki's pitch and his idea for this being a very unique Godzilla film. You know, the idea of it being right at the tail end of World War II in Japan is already set to zero because they've just gone through so much, losing World War II and devastation throughout the country. And then what happens when Godzilla comes into play? So minus one, that's, that's Godzilla minus one, the idea that Japan is at negative basically because they've lost the war and now they're about to have even more destruction lose even more so they were at zero now they're at minus one hence the title of the story and i also love the period piece setting because and i'm in my letterbox review i just i wrote godzilla but make it dunkirk because this movie you could tell used a lot of inspiration from dunkirk and from christopher nolan and and whether it be the cinematography the the filmmaking the music the direction it felt uh, Christopher Nolan-esque and you can tell the fingerprint of Dunkirk was put all over this film we get spitfires we get dogfights we get uh, water land and sea it's just there's so many elements to it we get all the boats at the end coming to help and we get a, it's more about community and locals coming together to help save the day as opposed to the government so I, I saw this film and I just kept get, I just kept thinking about Dunkirk and I thought it was just a really amazing uh, combination of ideas of Dunkirk with Godzilla, and it just mashed together really surprisingly well. I was thinking of another movie with Godzilla when I was watching. So I was thinking of Jaws with all with the sinking, a yeah. bunch, not just the sinking, but in general, just on the on the ocean being chased by this giant shark, this giant monster. The great shot of this little wooden boat being chased by Godzilla, swimming as fast as he can. Like that great shot of his face mouth peering over the water as he's about to eat this ship he's just like <laughs> smiling ready to kill everything it's so similar to jaws being stuck to the orca he's chewing through the lines like the same exact shot it felt like a reference to me as well as the two ships kind of represented the two barrels or the three barrels used to try to raise jaws up from under the water just like they raise up godzilla yeah from dropping him to the depths of the trench and then bring mm -hmm. him back up so I was feeling Jaws the whole time while watching this. Oh, that's that's absolutely true. Like, I can see that for sure. And then going to the human side of it, this felt like it did. It actually felt like not like a contemporary Japanese film, but like a period piece Japanese film. Uh, a lot of older Japanese films, the acting was kind of melodramatic and very expressive. And they capture that in this film. I felt like I was watching scenes from like a, a film from the 60s or 50s in Japan. And so that really, for me, watching the movie, 
with the human story made me feel like the period setting in a huge way it was so accurate to what those films were like how they were acted so i think that they also captured the tone of that era of filmmaking as well as the setting itself so i think they captured it with the writing and with the the storyline and with the acting because plus authentic Japanese culture and I, something I've always found so fascinating about the Japanese culture is obviously it's a very old culture but respect runs deep it's really important to them as a people and respect is seen in many Japanese films for obviously we see this in, in the army with the soldiers the pilots everything but then also feeling great shame for your country if you do it dishonor and respect is a massive theme in this film because not only is respect given to human to human, but respect is given to Godzilla at the end of this film. So obviously we're getting into spoiler territory now, but at the end of the film we'll, we'll get to it eventually and talk more detail about how they defeat Godzilla. But at the end of, of Godzilla minus one, after they defeat with the Kyochi destroying and blowing up his head, Godzilla's head. And obviously he survives. He Removing the head or destroying the brain? <laughs> Removing the head. Or destroying the brain. <laughs> Thanks for the news report, <laughs> Sean of the Dead. But, um, you know, at, after Godzilla is killed, what do all of the soldiers and sailors do on the ships? They salute Godzilla as a sign of respect because in Japanese culture, Yamazaki said that Godzilla is more of an undiscerning god. In Japan, it's there's this term called... Hold on, I have this term. I can't remember what it's called. But in Japan, it's integrated into Shinto belief. All of these negative things in the world have manifested themselves into Godzilla. And us as humans, we're not out to kill Godzilla, but we're able to calm Godzilla and bring ourselves back to peace. So they show great respect for Godzilla because they always look at Godzilla as sort of a god to be shown respect. Part good, part evil. I completely misinterpreted that scene then. Oh, yeah? I thought they were saluting Shikishima. Oh, no, no. They're I thought I, they were saluting him I thought for, it was clear. for victory. Yeah. I thought it was clear that they were doing it. To it Godzilla. wasn't clear, okay? Well, I thought it, because they showed the saluting, then they showed Godzilla's dead body. Yeah, but I thought they were saluting him in the plane after after winning. I guess you, I guess saving you, them all. I guess you didn't pick up on that. Now you did. How, how do you feel about it now that you know what it was meant to be? It's awesome. It's cool. I like it better actually. Like you just devastated our entire city, but we respect you for being a god. Yeah. And we will try to keep you at calm, so yeah. you don't come back again. He'll come back. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's just. God, godlike or Greek god mythos on re in the real world or Japanese gods in the real world. Yeah, and he so Godzilla historically in the lore is half god and half monster and half unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the horn, bro? <laughs> oh, it's around, man. <laughs> but um, I love the setting. I love the characters. We get a ragtag group of uh, guys, <laughs> just like an old school kind of movie. They all have different personalities. Like you get the old captain, you get the young guy, you get the veteran, you get the uh, the goofy scientists. And so they captured all like the archetypes that you love in these classic films. That uh, they still do these archetypes, but it's not quite as like. They, they, I just felt good watching this crew. I love the cast. I haven't seen a crew like this since yeah. Pacific Rim. Yeah, you know, I think this is what people like. That's the thing with Hollywood these days with these big blockbusters. 
is they just don't really know how to give the people the characters they want anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty that's simple a good, formula. Yeah, that's a good point. Watch Godzilla Minus One, every studio. Take some notes because these are the characters that we like. These are the ones that we love. We've been loving them for decades and decades. The mad scientist, the curly hair. Yeah. It works. He's the only guy with the curly hair in the yeah, movie. Eccentric, that's what we want. That's what we yeah. need. That's, I mean, we want like the, works, the, hardened, the hardened captain leader. Like it's just It just works. We want the young hotshot that wants to sacrifice himself for his country. It all yeah. works. It all fits together. So I think a lot of studios are going to be watching Godzilla Minus One and taking notes. If not, they should. I thought it was also incredibly smart how he wrote the film because obviously Godzilla has always been a metaphor for the atom bomb and for nuclear devastation. However, he added more themes to this film that I hadn't seen in other Godzilla movies. But again, I haven't seen them all. Uh, one of the themes was uh, Shikishima being a kamikaze pilot and abandoning his duty uh, because... I think both out of fear, but also not wanting to take part in the war. Uh, this is, and then also another theme of the government not warning the citizens of each city that Godzilla was approaching, and choosing to not inform their citizens of the impending mayhem, out of the desire to not cause a panic within the, uh, the city. And this is all reminiscent of things that happened in World War II, um, and the the willingness of the Japanese government to sacrifice as many of their own for victory in a ruthless fashion. And we see that talked about multiple times in this film. And I love the third act where it's not the government saving the day and it's not the army saving the day. It's a group of civilians choosing to save the day and rejecting the notion that we need to sacrifice men to win, but more so let's work together to preserve the future. So I thought those were really deep elements that I was not expecting walking into this film. And also the lack of ideals and the morality and and desiring to, you know, let's send people on suicide missions to just take out one of their own. Who cares about our own? Let's just kill as many as them at whatever cost. But that shouldn't be the way you defend your country. It's said multiple times in the movies that the Japanese government's best skill is information control. And controlling the population with that information control as well as like you said sacrificing people that don't have to die like creating fire jets without ejector seats yeah. and making tanks that don't have great shielding to protect the people inside the tanks or bombers that don't have great shielding and just putting people's lives at risk that don't have obviously they're at war there's a risk they're going to die but putting them at greater risk not having an ejector seat for your cockpit for your pilots yeah just making them think they're going to die with honor and with respect for their people by sacrificing their lives on a suicide mission and obviously that's a main theme through this film with the main character Komichi who obviously like you said abandoned his post as a kamikaze pilot lands on the small island of Odo where there's secretly a kamikaze repair shop basically there's a there's a garrison of repairmen who are there to repair kamikaze pilots if their if their aircraft become faulty they land there and go back on their suicide mission so Koichi lands there at the opening of the movie and he's met with obviously distrust and people don't believe that his ship that his aircraft is damaged they're like there's nothing wrong with your your plane why didn't you die in honor for your country why didn't you sacrifice yourself that was your mission you're a kamikaze pilot and then obviously Godzilla shows up and kills everybody except for the main engineer Tachibana Tachibana Mr. Tachibana and for the rest of the film basically Koichi feels great guilt survivor's guilt specifically as well as great shame. You know, he goes home, his hometown, his village has been decimated by the war, by the air raids. He is 
met with shame from his neighbor, who he's probably known his whole entire life, who shames him for not dying in the war, blames him for the death of her children, the death of her husband. Just like how he's blamed for the death of the engineers. Yeah, exactly. He's blamed for the death of the engineers for not firing on Godzilla. He's blamed for the death of everybody in his community because he didn't sacrifice himself. And he's basically coming to terms with trying to figure out if he actually survived this island, if he survived the war at all with his PTSD, his survivor's guilt, as well as should I be alive? Why did they survive? Why didn't? Why am I here to live? Then accept, accepting his fate that he's supposed to live and that it'll be a greater honor to his people if he survives even more. Not just the first war, but this war against Godzilla. And his war's not over until Godzilla's dead. Yeah, Koichi is defined by his cowardice in the first half of the film and trying to overcome the idea of being a coward and it's actually poisoning him you know he he stopped he left his post as a kamikaze pilot because he was too afraid and he won't establish a relationship with the woman in his life because he's too afraid and and then he didn't fire on godzilla because he was too afraid on odo and so he blames himself for their deaths he blames himself for the deaths of his neighborhood and of his own parents in a way because of his own cowardice but in a way Cowardice is shamed in this film and in this culture at the time, but choosing not to fight is actually an admirable thing that he begins to learn. And then eventually overcoming that cowardice and understanding that, you know, people aren't dead because of him, but now he has the strength to actually make a difference and preserve the future now that he has a, a young daughter, Akiko, who's, who's so cute. Akiko is so adorable. It's adorable. And it's the tragic. The cutest little yeah. kid I've ever seen in a movie. Another thing he's too afraid of is to have a family, even though he basically has a family. It's funny when the, the sailor crew comes to his house and they they think that this is a family, but he's like, oh, no, she's not. I'm not a wife. And he's like, they're like, whose daughter is this? And they're like, oh, it's neither of our daughters. And then they're like, what's going on here? And so he's too afraid to even make this step of having a family of his own. Because he's still dealing Even though with that it's there and under his roof. And the irony with him is there's nothing he could have done. He could have opened up fire with his 20-millimeter gun on Odo, and all it would have done was made Godzilla pissed off, yeah. and he would have died. Yeah. Same thing with if he suicide-bombed correctly and, and became a kamikaze pilot and went on with his mission and blew himself up killing somebody else, his entire town still would have been hit by raids and his parents would be dead. So there's nothing he could have done differently that would cause anyone to have survived anything that he was a part of. However, it takes him the entire four-year span because this takes place tail end of World War II, 1944 to 1948. By the time they destroy Godzilla, it takes him that entire time, those four years, to accept the fact that he was supposed to live and that he should live, and that's the best thing he can do. And Tachibana makes the ejector seat, and then we see later when we do the flashback, he told Ko- Koichi, survive. Well, he didn't make it. He just, he just knew it was there. Oh yeah, he was already he in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he yeah he described because it. it's the the plane he uses to to fight Godzilla. It's a new kind of prototype. prototype yeah, and there's ejector seats inside of them. Yeah, that's he just true. notices yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make it. Yeah, but he did. He encouraged him to because I think that Koichi was planning to definitely fly into Godzilla's mouth and kill himself, kamikaze style, as a way of like, oh, I'm gonna I'm finally have the courage to do what I couldn't do before, but with a family, with a daughter to take care of, and learning to live again. And then Tachibana, again, encouraging him, he says, survive. Because he, he was expecting... Survive! Survive! <laughs> I'm a land farmer, motherfucker! <laughs> because he was ready to kill himself again. Uh, because he thought that that would be the way to honor the men who died on Odo. And to respect them again and to give them what he thinks that he owes them, which is his life. But then he learns that, actually, it's not just about killing, but also 
helping to preserve the future. And the only way he can help preserve the future is to survive and to get out of there alive and go back to his family. And be a, a daddy. To be a dad. Akiko. Akiko. And obviously the ending is sensational, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I think one of the great parts of this film, besides, in addition to character, is redemption. You know, when, you're, when your main character has an incredible arc of redemption, it adds so much power to a story, whether it's a monster movie or a movie about personal triumph or, or you know, obstacles to overcome. But redemption is powerful, and audiences feed off redemption. and something that you want your character to achieve. And Koichi really achieves the ultimate redemption because he saves his entire country, not just for getting redemption and redeeming himself for his cowardice during the war and landing on Odo and not going through with his mission and feeling guilty for the men's lives that were lost on Odo and plus everyone in his community, but he redeems himself by letting go of his fear, letting go of his guilt, letting go of his shame, and becoming a leader and becoming a hero of Tokyo and fucking blowing up Godzilla's face. <laughs> Speaking of Godzilla, I think that they did an amazing job of blending in real World War II footage. Oh, yeah. Showing it as wreckage of Godzilla incidents. So we saw boats torn to pieces. Obviously, is real-world footage of boat uh, skirmishes and battles and boats being blown up by other boats. And you see the carnage and the the metal and steel torn to pieces, but they used that with the context of Godzilla caused all of this. So I thought it was so smart to use this old World War footage. Douglas MacArthur was really in, is in this film. General Douglas MacArthur. Yeah. We went to Douglas MacArthur <laughs> Elementary School. That's in right. <laughs> that was our that was our elementary school's yeah. name. Yeah. Oh my God. He was a, a a huge general for obviously this, but also in the Korean War. Yeah. He was one of the main generals. So I really liked how we had that footage. That added uh, believability to it, but also both the Japanese and the American armies were seeking, trying to stop and attacking Godzilla multiple times throughout the course of the events of this four-year period. We see we saw, see on the map there's probably 20 or 30 incidents with Godzilla, all failed. He destroyed and killed everybody who attacked him. So I like how countries have been trying to take him out for a while. And nothing's working. Yeah, however, there there is one little thing that I, I maybe didn't love about that aspect of the film was, so America, they are tracking Godzilla through the ocean for weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah. He's hard to track, but they have ideas of where he's going. And then eventually he gets in specific other territories and they stop their pursuit because they don't want to get involved with the Soviets. They don't want to upset sure. the Soviets and cause a potential war. But at the same time, it's like there's a giant lizard destroying the planet Earth. Maybe we should work together. But I get it because it has to be a Tokyo Jap Japan centric film. Yeah, that's just one thing that I think it's it's it works fine. No, no, I, when I, I, when yeah. I was watching. I thought I'm like, oh, I mean, Soviets. I'm sure will let them pursue Godzilla. Yeah. and try to take. So out yeah, yeah. The sort of thing is every country would see this thing as a insurmountable threat to all of them. Yeah. So obviously, in real world, everybody would be like, let's try to stop this fucking giant dinosaur from killing us all. But it has to be – I think it, it – I understood that it was a Japanese movie. And yeah. so it has to be Japan. It could be authentic because maybe Soviets would think that America is using it as an opportunity to get good positioning on them for a strike or something like that. So it actually yeah. – it makes sense both ways. Yeah. It makes sense for me that it makes – it fits the story, but also at the same time, it, they, they may be a different workaround. But you have to, like I said, make it Japanese-centric. Yeah, I, I completely agree because I thought – I was thinking the same thing, but then I was like, eh, it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Giant lizard. Taking over the entire world. Speaking of, uh, the Godzilla incidents are insane. Uh, it's, and it's a nice tease in the first one with Odo, where we see a, a little Godzilla. He's only, what, about 200 feet tall, tops? 
So he's a little bit Not smaller. Not even. He's like 75 feet tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not that, that tall. Yeah. And you know what it felt like? It felt like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Yeah, it did, yeah. It felt like a dinosaur coming out of the water. So he must have still been growing because then he grew over the next four years huge. Bigger than skyscrapers. And so I like the different iterations of the monster. And that first attack was a nice appetizer. Really got us up to speed. Appetizers with, make you with, hungry with what you the, uh, What the violence and carnage would be like. And you're right, it was very Jurassic Park-esque the way he would just pick people up with his mouth and just throw them and thrash them. But then the Ginza attack, I think, was the highlight of the film. It was huge. It was so impressive. The music was insane. But the visual effects were really just dynamite. I was so blown away by that sequence. It was... Pun intended? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was the destruction was insane. Seeing Godzilla storm through the city... Well, actually, not storm, but like slowly storm, slowly break through. Yeah, yeah. And then pounding through skyscrapers, just causing mayhem, destruction, and then using his heat ray to really legitimately just create a nuclear blast. And it was just so powerful and so incredible to behold. I was shocked by that scene. Something that I have mixed feelings about with past Godzilla films is giving Godzilla sort of like a personality where he likes the good guys. He's sometimes a good yeah, guy, sometimes a bad agreed. guy. I get it works like that sometimes, but I just like this version of Godzilla where he doesn't give a fuck about people or what he's doing because sometimes they person make him too much of a personality mm. that like understands the surroundings really well with a consciousness in terms of like, I'm going to help them out this time. Like, <laughs> I got your back. Like, kind of saving the day sometimes. So, like, the upcoming Kong, Godzilla teaming up. Yeah. Like, How do you feel about it? I don't, I don't know who's the villain in that movie, but we'll find out. But I just like this version of Godzilla where he's just a killing machine, a destruction machine, and doesn't care what he's doing. He just And obviously, he's fast at swimming. Not super fast, but, like, he can't outrun the boats. But when he gets on land, he's slow as hell. He is just lumbering, just... Barely moving, but every little step he takes destroys everything. But I like how slow he is versus how agile he is in other films, even though he's massive. But he's just like this big, bulky thing, and the tail whips are fast and everything. And they kind of – he sort of feels like a dog in a lot of ways in terms of how it would be – or like a T-Rex using its mouth to like pick things up. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a Godzilla version where he's done stuff like that super well, not since the past. But like to have Godzilla just like – Pick up the side train compartment, the train compartment with his mouth like a dog with a bone, and throw it around yeah. and stuff like that. I really like that him using his mouth like a T Rex because he's teething. Yeah, he's teething <laughs> because obviously T Rex they got little arms, so they use their mouth for everything to yeah. clamp onto everything. I act like I've been into fucking six billion years ago on Earth and I saw this happen, but <laughs> that's what they did. They yeah. did. <laughs> but to see like Godzilla just take a train compartment in his mouth like a dog and like looking around like yeah. this is really cute and fluffy at the same time, but also destructive. <laughs> I like this version, though. I like this version of Godzilla. I think it's great, and I th I'm really looking forward to seeing the future when we're going to get another monster, I'm sure, in the sequel. But then, like, as even though he's slow slow and bulky and not agile whatsoever, once he gets that heat ray going, he is a, a force to be reckoned with, and it's, it was just incredible, the heat vision, the heat ray. Yeah, the heat ray I really enjoyed, and I, I like how after the heat ray – his whole entire body just looks like it's gone through a nuclear blast as he kind of heals himself. And I like that part about the I, character so as So well. I love the regeneration. Yeah. I thought it was a great idea because he's like a god-like creature. So the self-regeneration very quickly made a lot of sense. And it sets up a sequel really well. It also makes it seem like how do you stop him? 
like how can you ever defeat him so it, i think it was really cool the regeneration aspect and then like yeah like you said after he fires the nuclear blast he's all cooked he looks like so he's, he's got healing. a toaster oven so he's healing and it was like the the design was like he was like scary to look at and disturbing to look at at times especially in close-ups when you saw what his skin looked like and the the textures of it i thought it was a really incredible design it was almost like uncanny valley where it looks so real but fake at, but in a good way even though it's c like i said even though it's cgi it looks it's very meta cgi it's cgi but it looks like a guy in a suit yeah i freaking loved it immediately i thought it was a guy in a suit for some sequences and some scenes or maybe some close-ups but then i looked it up it's all cgi it's I incredible still, i still don't understand how they did it for so cheap it looks amazing it's crazy and I saw this really Scott video. He was talking about a shot in Legend, and there's a little tiny like Tom Cruise is sleeping on the ground in a campsite, and then there's like a little light. It's like a Tinkerbell esque character of not a character, but like a, a sentient light just like dancing around the set, and then it it plops on his head and wakes him up, and then it goes away. Like that that happens in the scene, and he they used it with a fishing line and a little tiny light bulb. They just did it practically. And he said, if they were going to CGI that now, today it would cost $200,000. That's insane. Yeah. Just fishing wire in a little bulb. Yeah. So $12 at Dick's Sporting Goods. So the, the fucking cost of CGI in America, is, it doesn't, it's crazy how expensive it is. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems with a lot of these studios is they just write it up and chalk up, oh, we'll do it CGI. Yeah. And that's why these movies are $300 million and they look like exactly. dog shit. Exactly. They look terrible. And then Chris Nolan makes the biggest looking movie of the decade and it was $90 million. Did you see that Oppenheimer didn't get an Oscar nomination for visual effects? I can't fucking believe that. Isn't that insane? It's not, it's not nominations aren't out, but it's not even shortlisted for That's the top insane. 20. The how? Top 20. Do they just not want to win every single award? But how does it not get nominated for visual effects? I don't know. I, well, that's the thing of... Ant-Man's on the short list. I'm not sure that a lot of people understand that visual effects does not mean CGI every time. I think that might be a problem, yeah. Yes, there's special effects, visual effects, and CGI. And visual effects have been around since the days that film first started. Yeah, but CGI is part of visual yeah, exactly. effects. Exactly. Uh, visual effects is an umbrella term. But I think that a pe a people voting, especially Academy voters who are not involved in visual effects at all, but they're still a part of the Academy because they're different, all the different categories, I don't think that they know that no CGI. So there's that problem. We got we had a viral clip and people kept fighting with us because we said there's no CGI in Oppenheimer, but there are visual effects. Yeah, and people didn't understand that they're separate things. But also they CGI be, falls they, into visual yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. So they can be separate and they can be the same thing. And it's just like that movie is just it's all visual effects and practical effects. There's just no CGI. But when it comes to visual effects, this is one of the best of the year. Yeah, it's a 15 million Fuck dollar yeah. budget. It's absolutely insane. This should this should get nominated. I think. Because of though. how because of how good it looks for how low of money it is. Did you see Ant Man three got nominated? Yeah, that's right. Well, how that's does what... that get shortlisted, bro? I have no idea. One one shot of Godzilla in this movie looked better than that entire maybe, film. Maybe that shows you how kind of meh twenty twenty three was with film releases. But again, a lot of things <laughs> got pushed to twenty twenty four. But how about we move to superlatives, then our intermission, and we'll get back to Godzilla minus one. How's that sound? Sounds wonderful. All right, let's start with our MVP of Godzilla minus one, Anthony. Who is it? My MVP is Takashi Yamakazi. Yamazaki. Me too. He did just did an incredible job writing, directing this. It's a fantastic monster movie, an amazing Godzilla movie. Exceptional vision and execution. Just a really, really well-made movie. Top 10 on the year for me, I think. It's in my top 10 now. Top 10 of the yeah. year for 2023. What is the best scene of Godzilla Minus One? The best scene is Godzilla destroying Ginza. Like I said, I just went on it 10 minutes earlier. Just incredible sequence. I think my best scene is the first water chase when the they're boat. on the boats and they realize that, like, oh, 
the government sent us here to try to delay Godzilla so that this big battleship can come and try to take it out. Mm -hmm. And so all we're here is to buy some time, and then they are getting chased by Godzilla. Fortunately, it takes out the other scooter ship, but then it's coming for them. And fortunately, it's just slow enough where he's behind them. <laughs> and they it's great because they, they weaken Godzilla. They hurt Godzilla for the first time anyone's able to wound him where they yeah. get the mine inside of his mouth. And Kyochi blows it up inside of his inside of his jawline and wounds him. But then we see him regenerate really quickly. Literally blasts his face off. Yeah, yeah, so we can see that there's a way to supposedly kill Godzilla. From They've the done inside. it before. He's Kyochi specifically inside. saw it. But I just loved it because, like I said, it felt like Jaws so much. And it was great suspense built. And then, but spe see yeah, speaking of Jurassic Park, there's a scene like that in the book. Okay, yeah, of yeah. Of the T-Rex yeah, yeah. chasing them down the river, slowly just trailing behind them. And it's just his head is visible. So when I saw that scene, I was like, that's just that's like the river scene in Jurassic Park, the book. That's a good point. And then, obviously, we get to see that even a battleship is no match for Godzilla. Yeah. So I love that scene so much. It was funny, scary, intense, and just a blast. And for a water, for, for a water sequence, it's like those are always incredibly hard to film, and I can't believe that they did that in this movie, too. Yeah, I will say there's quite a bit of water CGI yeah. in this movie. You can tell because the camera's on the boat, and the boat's not yeah. going up or down, and the water is. But I get it. You got to do it with. You got to shoot quickly and efficiently. They don't yeah. have a huge budget to shoot on a real ocean or in the real water. Yeah. So a lot of the waves and stuff, and a lot of the water is actually CGI. Yeah, that's that was the only CGI I really I really noticed. That and the fishes. Yeah. The this the some of the waves and some of the water ripples. It just wasn't obviously up to par from what we're used to. But for the most part. All the water that Godzilla was involved with, that looked great. Yeah, but I didn't care. Yeah, me I, I me pointed either. out, I'm like, oh, that's CGI's, that's definitely CGI water. And yeah. I don't give a fuck because this movie slaps. Yeah, yeah. This movie slaps. Because Godzilla looks amazing. You taking notes, Marvel? Come on. <laughs> they All right. Me. Anthony, what's the best shot of Godzilla minus one? I guess actually you just mentioned it. it's the little boat chugging along with Godzilla's chugga, head chugga, right behind chugga, it. Chugga. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. He's like almost like smiling. That's like, what I mean. He's yeah, like, oh, I'm going to eat the fuck out like, of these guys. He's like dog-like. Yeah. He does look like a dog, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like doggy paddling towards the... <laughs> My best shot is Godzilla's first heat ray, where the camera trails all the way from the bottom tip of his tail, and his, I guess, whatever they're called, they start poking out of his tail. They, they oh, extend. his spikes? Yeah. His spikes extend, yeah. and then highlight blue, <laughs> and the camera goes all the way up his tail, up to the, his back, to the top of his face, until he... It let, breathes in the air uh -huh. and then lets out the heat ray beam. It's such a badass shot. I was not prepared for how cool it was going to be. It was great. I saw that in the trailer, so I, I had context for it already. Okay, I got to ask you. Give me your honest answer. No, don't try to be nice or anything. Just give me your honest answer. Well, is this going to be controversial? What do you think about Pink Godzilla in the new Godzilla Kong movie? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess they're just trying to do something new, but yeah. I don't know, man. I'm not sure I like it either, man. It looked, but, hey, I thought maybe, it looked strange. Maybe the movie will be good. I feel like maybe they just wanted to go a different route color-wise because yeah. the blue's been done so many times. Yeah. But, eh. Kind of took me out of the cool, trailer. But maybe red? I think a dark red would have worked better. Dark red. Pink just might not be it for Godzilla. But I guess it's, it's Godzilla female in that movie. Possibly. People are saying it's like the kind of energy that, he, that Godzilla absorbed was like pink energy or something. I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know if I'll see it. After seeing this Godzilla movie, do I want to see Godzilla vs. King Kong? Is that what it's called? It's Godzilla Kong, um, the time of, of... New Empire. New Empire, yeah. So they're fighting uh, that giant red ape is the villain. Godzilla vs. Kong, a new empire. It's a super ape, the, the red dude. There's a red ape? I didn't, I didn't... Yeah. Did you skim the trailer? I skimmed the fuck out of the trailer. It. I did. So there's like another... Because I saw this Godzilla movie, I'm like, why am I going to see another one? So there's like a whole race of Kongs, okay. and then there's like a super evil big Kong guy. 
and so he's gonna be the villain. and so Godzilla and Kong are gonna team up and yeah exactly. beat Mega Kong yeah eh, yeah let's see eh. how much money they make what is this 20th Century Studios what is it it's, I think it's legendary Warner Brothers? legendary oh it's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers yeah, yeah. it's Warner Brothers yeah. you're right well I don't know I don't know man I'm not sure about the pink I think the blue just works I don't really care about the it's not so much the pink it's just that you know it's not gonna be this good. You yeah. know it's not going to oh, be Oh, there's good. no way it's going to be this That's good. the thing. You know it's not going to be as good as Godzilla Minus One, so why am I uh-huh. going to see two Godzilla movies in one year and one's way better? Well, that one's coming out next year. Well, not. It's like in six months. And also, the last two yeah, Godzilla... Yeah, December. <laughs> the last two Godzilla movies, I did not really like that much. They were just... They were... You know, I mean... I Cliche really, I, blockbusters. I really respect Gareth Edwards, but I'm just not a huge fan of his movies. I'm, I mean, everybody knows I'm, I, I like Rogue One, but I don't love it. And then I don't really love his Godzilla movie at all. But I I think his best movie is Monsters. His first movie, Monsters, is his best movie. And that's my trivia question for intermission. I'm going to have to change it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually have trivia cards, so you'll be good. Yeah, I'll be good. But yeah, okay, so that was my best shot. Who's the best actor of Godzilla Minus One? The best actor? Besides Godzilla. Is Noriko Oishi. She's great. Noriko? I, I mean, uh, Minami Hamabi, the actress. As Noriko. Is great. Minami Hamabi. All right, my best actor was Ryunosuko Kamiki, who plays Koichi. Gotcha. Yeah, he plays Koichi. I thought he was terrific. Yeah, you know, he's the, main, he's the main character. I like the guy who played Tachibana, too. He's yeah. funny. It's a unique role. I've never really seen a character like that of a kamikaze bomber who abandons his post. And, and I thought it was a great setup. I've never seen that before. So it was a very like, unique character. Like, when he was sitting on the beach looking out, I was like, I was like in my head, I was like, this is a great character setup. Yeah. A guy, a kamikaze pilot who left his post. It's really great. It was awesome. It, it, for like five minutes opening without yeah. Godzilla, it was really human. Yeah. Next up, what is the best line from the movie? Best line is, at the end, I made me cry. Koichi comes into the hospital with Akiko because they heard news that Noriko actually survived the attack and she's in the hospital it. bed. I couldn't believe it, and man. And so he cries on her bed and on his knees and she says, is your war finally over? And then he nods, yes. And I was like, oh, they're going to be a family finally. Dude, Akiko... Like, I, oh, man, what a cute little kid. She, she did a great job, that little actress. Like, she was, like, three years old. You can old. tell she's, like, a little kid just, like, looking around all the stuff on set. She's like, what am I doing but here? But she did everything she had to do. Yeah. Like, and you can tell they're probably, like, all right, cry now. And yeah. she's like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She, <laughs> she turned it on crush. right away. Yeah. <laughs> Best three-year-old actor I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but she was, like, when she hid him the drawing. But she was so cute. She like, was so cute. She, I was With smiling so big every time oh I saw Kiko. I'm like, we need more Kiko in this movie. The little bangs. <laughs> oh, my God. She killed me. Adorable Kiko. Next up, <laughs> okay, my best line was from Yoji. He goes, uh, this is when they're in the middle of their big plan. Sure. Uh, Operation Tutti, I think, Tuto, whatever they called it. And Koichi is drawing and luring Godzilla from the mainland to the water, to the trench area. Mm-hmm. And he's been shooting Godzilla in the face. And then Yoji goes, he looks through binoculars, he's like, Godzilla looks really ticked off. <laughs> Godzilla looks really ticked off. Godzilla. That wraps our superlatives. How about we head to our intermission? All right. And then we'll get back to the movie. Let's do it. And before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Every single patron has access to a weekly bonus episode of the show as well as the weekly chat, which is exclusively on Patreon only. Not to mention, patrons have access to the ad-free experience of every single main episode of the show. At the minimum of $5 tier, you can listen to every episode without ads, and you can also link your Spotify and listen on Spotify ad-free. Spotify, guy. Spotify, kid. (laughs) 
At $10, you get access to our Discord. $25, you get access to a custom episode. $100, there's so many goddamn perks. I have no time to name them off, but they include free merch and a private watch party, as well as many other awesome prizes in there. Patreon is essential to doing the show full-time. We couldn't do it without our patrons, so thank you so much for signing up. The link is in the description of this episode. Again, patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You can also support the show by leaving those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and and Apple. They help us get seen by new listeners and chart on all the platforms. We love to read the written ones out on Apple, which is always a treat for us on the show. And also, the best way to help a podcast grow is just to share us. And Instagram stories and Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever, as well as just sharing with your family and friends. Share the love. Share your favorite episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast today with your movie-loving friends and family members. Of course, this episode, like always, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. We just did a movie poster giveaway last week. Thanks to MoviePosters.com. So congratulations to the winner. Hope you enjoy your poster. Should be coming to you soon. And in the meantime, the holiday season is upon us. There's no better gift to get the movie lover in your life than some awesome movie posters from MoviePosters.com. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting for your poster needs, as well as a selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their gigantic poster library. This is high-quality stuff, everyone. Our place is decked out with all these posters, and we adore them. So be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. Let's get into that intermission. You ready for the movie quote competition? Ready. All right. Let me, uh, all right. Are you ready? (laughs) And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. (laughs) The thing. Yeah. (laughs) Get me off this fucking couch! (laughs) I almost did the thing. Is uh blah, 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 blah. okay. Okay, you people sit tight. Hold the fort and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. Oh man, this sounds super familiar. It is a, actually another Kurt Russell movie. Do it one more time. Okay, you people sit tight. Hold the fort and keep the home the, keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. Want to hit? Is it Escape from New York? Almost. Escape from L.A.? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Escape from L.A. From La. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. It's neither of those. It's the other one from John Carpenter and, ja- and Kurt. Oh, is it um, uh, tr- <laughs> little, tr- you got Big it. Trouble in Little China? Correct. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. You got it, man. Big Trouble in Little China. Got it. All right. Wow, you're looking smart, man. I try. Guess this movie release year. Oh yeah, the What's movie. What's the movie? <laughs> <laughs> he just sat back. James just sat back. Natalie's and cracking at me. off off camera. He's like, "Guess this movie release here." Sits back and looks at me. Are you gonna guess, Anthony? <laughs> Is this idiot gonna guess or just sit there? Cloverfield. <laughs> uh, Cloverfield was two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. Really? Damn. Two thousand and eight. What year did Miracle come out? Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell trivia, huh? I did Kurt All Russell right. today. I feel, I'm feel. i trying to think how old, young we were when this came out. Were we even alive when it came out? That's another question. You can yeah, we were. I don't know. Were we? Yeah, we were, dude. I'm it's just not, trying to throw you off. It's not that old. It's like 2000 and 2000. 
2004. God damn it. It's actually not as old as I thought it was. Okay. So, Anthony, my pop question, my pop quiz question was who directed Monsters in 2010? Gareth Edwards did that. That was his first movie. He also did the visual effects on it, fun fact. So, instead, I'm going to pull up some trivia cards that Dad sent us. Our so Dad sent us these. He asked us to do them on the show. Dad's movie trivia. So I'll do one for you. I'll too. do a couple for you. All right, let's hear it. This is, these are pretty fun and easy. Which South Park character often says, okay, a lot when speaking? <laughs> Mr. Garrison. Yes, sir. Well, this says Mr. Mackey. I mean, Mr. Mackey. Yeah, Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey. Yeah. But Mackey is okay. 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 All right, uh, here's another one. Tippi Hedren, the star of Alfred Hitchcock's film The Birds, <laughs> is the real-life mother of what famous actress? Um, Tippi Hedren is the mother of... Fuck, who is it? Um, I mean... Tippy Hedren. I looked this up yesterday, or a few days ago, because I just watched The Birds for the first time. Do you know this, Natalie? Come, come on the mic and see if you see if you know it. Come here, come here, come here, come here, so everyone can hear you. You didn't want to be in the episode, Natalie. Get in there. The granddaughter is Dakota Johnson. I forget the daughter's name. Oh, it's Goldie Hawn. Dakota Johnson is Tippy Hedren's granddaughter. Goldie Hawn. Whoa, no, not Goldie Hawn. It's Melanie Griffith. Oh, Melanie Griffith. Fuck. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. So that's like a family. That's a Hollywood family tree. Dakota yeah. Johnson with uh, Don Johnson, and then um. So he was married to Marilyn. Wait, Marley. no. Who's Dakota Johnson's parents? Uh, Don Johnson's her dad, and then Kurt Russell's Mar- her stepdad. Melanie Griffith. Yeah. All right, so, so Kurt Russell's her stepdad. Gotcha. That's what it is. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, one more for you, Anthony, and Natalie, if you know it. This Seinfeld character was based on the show's creator, Larry David. It's um, it's George. Yes, <laughs> George. Costanza. George Costanza. <laughs> Thanks for the dad trivia, Dad. Okay, here's one. Hold on, got it. <clears throat> when Johnny Carson retired from hosting the Tonight Show after 30 years, who was his replacement? Who took over the Tonight Show from Johnny Carson? Letterman. Leno. Jay Leno. Jay Leno gotcha, took my bad. it over. Good guess, though. It was either one of them. Because he was the late show, Letterman, right? Not the Tonight Show? Yes. Gotcha. Oh, these are, some of these are too easy. Um, Just go through them and see. What, in, in I Dream of Genie, what kind of comfy container did Genie, did Genie live in? Oh, it was... What was it? A comfy container. It wasn't a vase, was it? Is it a vase? Yeah, I'm a genie in a bottle. In a bottle. Yeah, yeah, a bottle gotcha. You gotta rub me the right way. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanna be with me, and you can make me see, I'm a, I'm a genie in a bottle, bottle, baby. You gotta rub me the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get your Christina on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> do one more. Do one more. These are fun. Another one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Voulez vous coucher avec moi? Okay, here's a good one. This comedian is the voice of Toe Mater in Pixar's Car series and also <laughs> likes to say, Get her done. I love that name, Toe Mater. Toe Mater. 
<laughs> get her done. Who's who? Who made get her done famous? What's his name? He's Larry the Cable Guy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> I can't believe Larry the Cable Guy was in Pixar movies. I mean, the la- the redneck cr- comedy crew was yeah. popular, man. Yeah, they were like, the 2000s. They were awesome. They were hot. Yeah, it was um fucking Jeff what? Foxworthy, Jeff, right? Yeah, Jeff Foxworthy. Is that his name? Yeah, Don something. Um, and then Larry that's what the they call themselves, though the rednecks, right? Yeah, the rednecks. Yeah, something rednecks like something. They were pretty funny. Get her done. He had like a five-year run, man. He they was all did, huge. yeah. They, they were big. Okay. Anthony, do we have any unsubscribes or any haters of the week to bring up? We sure do. So, Movie Junkie. We sure do, Terminator. Sure do. Let's get her done. <laughs> movie Junkie returns. Said... Remember, you couldn't go to school without people going like, <laughs> get, get her done. done. Get her done. Remember, there's something I You might s- be a redneck if. <laughs> you might be a redneck if. Yeah, that was a good one. Remember uh, the the Dodge commercials? That thing got a Hemi. <laughs> yeah, the Hemi engine. Oh, my God. That was so funny. That was a Super Bowl commercial. Everybody yeah, was man. saying. We would always just go to in school and be like, every time we saw a car, we would be like, that thing got a Hemi. That thing got a Hemi. <laughs> so dumb. See, things. It's the, it's, that was just like our TikTok. Yeah. You know what I mean? What? TV? Yeah. Like, it was all just like TikTok spreads the culture that yeah. way. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. Movie Junkie returns on our Tom Cruise clip. I did your favorite underrated stunt of Tom Cruise of chimmying up the pole. That's an awesome stunt. In that, that's in Rogue Nation, right? Yes, that's right. Movie Junkie Returns wrote, he is such a badass actor. He has earned every... Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> that's not the unsubscribed. Sorry. Connor is the unsubscribed. That was he, just a nice comment. Yeah, that was just a nice comment. Connor said, that's how I climbed to bed. Unsubscribed. <laughs> nice, Connor. And then our Tom Cruise draft, Reckless Rusty wrote, this, is, this kind of friendship is exactly what I'm looking for in a podcast. Subscribed. Unfortunately, it took James too long to guess Batman Forever. Unsubscribed. I got it, though. We lost him, man. We lost him. But I got it. We lost Rusty. God damn it. Nice job, man. We lost Rusty. Nice job. We had him, man. We had him. It was signed, sealed, delivered. Let me use my Batman credit card, though. (laughs) All right. We have a great new five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Again, anyone can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You don't have to use the app. All you need is an email address, and you can just leave that review. That'd be great. We also broke 1,800 ratings on nice. Apple, which is huge. Nice. I so like five it. stars from Q Bertozzi. Please update Overcast feed. Great podcast. I especially like the dynamic between the hosts and the rankings app. Please update the podcast feed on Overcast <laughs> app on the platform. There are new, new episodes after July 25th, 2022. Q Bertozzi. I don't know if I, I communicate with you a few times on Sorry, Twitter last year. It's, I've yeah. been trying to. I don't know how to do it. I've done everything I can for Overcast, and I'll look into it again. It's been but hard. Maybe let's. I mean, yeah, it's been tough. I've been trying to we get that We can talk to our updated. rep at Spotify see if we can get that going. It's always – like I've tried doing the RSS feed there. Some just, of the apps, some of the platforms just – it has an – you put the, the RSS feed, which is basically our, our website for the podcast hosting, and it just doesn't update. I don't yeah. know why. So, Cubertozzi, I appreciate you – Coming and listening on Apple. Thanks, pal. In the Overcast app, I'll look into it again. All I gotta say is it's James's fault. It's all it's all my fault. <laughs> so don't get mad at me. Get mad at James. All right. Uh Anthony, what's your streaming recommendation for this episode? Oh, I didn't say my quiz question. Oh, it's, it's, I have a quiz oh, yeah, question. Let's hear your quiz question. I, you had me uh, read off the card, but I have a good quiz question. Oh, what? Yeah, so blame me. All right. So another thing that's your fault. <laughs> we lost Rusty. You fucked up Overcast. You didn't let me do my quiz question. I, I never, never Holy not shit. let you. I never not let you do anything. So can you I just can went, I say you went my right, quiz? You just went right into the trivia question with quiz the cards. Can I go can, ahead and say it? Can I stop? Say it. Can I talk? Can you stalk who? <laughs> <laughs> May I finish? <laughs> what movie? Yeah. <laughs> 
What movie did Kurt Russell play a superhero in? Well, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Not Guardians Two. <laughs> he's not even a superhero. He's, just, he's a he's a god. He's a god. Yeah. Okay. He's a legitimate superhero. Cape, outfit. What movie is it? A cape and an outfit. Like what kind of outfit? Like superhero outfit, like, motherfucker. Like slacks? <laughs> he's a fucking superhero outfit, okay? It's just a traditional, normal superhero outfit, okay? I feel like he plays a superhero, but he's a dick. Right? No. Okay, never mind. He's uh, never a dick. He's Kurt Russell. He's been a dick sometimes. Even as a dick, he's still awesome. <laughs> like, he's a serial killer in Death Proof. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, but he's awesome. <laughs> Red flag, Natalie, if I ever heard one. He's into serial killers. Everybody loves Stuntman Mike. <laughs> um, Kurt Russell, superhero. What? You're gonna you're gonna hate this when you get it wrong. Because you are gonna get it wrong. Because it's not Marvel. Because it's just Guardians. It's not Marvel. That's a hint. It's not Marvel, and it's not DC either. Does he? It's not Marvel. It's not DC. Correct. What is it? Freaking. Sky High. Yes! Sky High! <laughs> Let's go! He got it. He got Let's it. go! High five for that one. That was a good one. <laughs> that, all the way back in like 2004, <laughs> Sky High. You got it, man. Oh, man. You had to, you had to look in the deep recesses of your brain for that digging one. Digging deep. Digging deep. <laughs> That's a good TikTok clip, man. That movie was ahead of its time. Sky High came out before superheroes were popularized. It's still loved, too. It's still loved. Whew. That was a good one. That was one of the better um, Disney TV movies. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was All right, one. let's get back into Godzilla minus one. What about my streaming rack? No one cares about your <laughs> streaming rack. <laughs> what is it? I'm going to say my streaming rack, even if you like it or not. Dances with Wolves is on Prime. Go see it. Mine is The Lighthouse, which is also on Amazon Prime. I like how pleasantly you said it. <laughs> the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. <laughs> Tell me you're fun to me, lobster. Sick of your thoughts. Moving on to, or let's get back into Godzilla <laughs> minus one. That one got Anthony. <laughs> Ski <laughs> farts. Um, I want to talk more about Godzilla and the creature design, Let's everything, not. the monster design. <laughs> so we talked about how, like, how he grows and he num nums nums for a couple of years and gets huge. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> he eats num nums, and then we talked about how he's got a great dinosaur-like design, especially when he's on the island. He's got of a great Odo. body. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't take this episode seriously. My man hits the squat rack, bro. Oh yeah. But, but I like how they approach it like a dinosaur coming ashore, like the big stomp and everything, and then the roar. And what I like about the roar in, in this film is it's it's unique to what I've ever heard. But also what they did was they played the original Godzilla roar from the original film on loudspeakers and recorded that audio to create the roar for Godzilla in this film. And it's piercing, and it adds this kind of new frequency to it. It's really cool. I was going to say, it felt like it was um, – what do you call it when it breaks the threshold – Peaking, peaking, yeah. It sounded yeah. like it was peaking, and but it worked. Like in a good way. Peaking's like a, always a big no-no in audio, but I think sometimes it's okay to peak. It's if you want a cer- if you peaking. want a certain effect given to the audience. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it peaked, but it felt like it was peaking. Like it, it felt like it was going. Past My ears our, were ringing. It felt like it was yeah. going past the frequency of human ears. You're right, because whenever he would roar, and then you, we, it would be quiet um, afterwards. My ears would be kind of ringing. It's like a lion. It was like he was really there. And cool. again, it also reminded me of the T-Rex from Jurassic Park with the roar. And also with Godzilla in this film, you know, the last several Godzilla movies we've seen coming out of Hollywood, they've gotten rid of what Godzilla meant and the metaphor of nuclear war, of war, destruction, devastation. And now they've just turned Godzilla into monster movies, now fusing him with King Kong. And it is what it is. 
But I've always loved the interpretation of Godzilla as the metaphor for the war and for the bomb. And with this film, we go back to that Japanese interpretation of him both as a monster and a god, but as well as a monster, uh, a metaphor for nuclear war, but also the unique take of what if he comes after the war? Yeah. So we're, World War II just happened. Japan gets devastated, but now Godzilla comes as another devastation. So according to director, director Yamakaze, Godzilla includes uniquely Japanese aspects mentioning there's a concept in Japan called tetarigami, spirits that bring calamity. There are good gods, there are bad gods. Godzilla's half monster, but also half god. So like in a in like Western culture, like a demon. In, in a, a way. way. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. I like that. I also really love the the plan in the second half of how to take out Godzilla by sinking him and seeing if the intense pressure decompresses his body to the point of killing him. And then also if that didn't work to rise him up and re and then compress him. No, I mean compress him by going down to the bottom of the ocean and then decompress him by lifting him up to the top at a high rate. It's really clever. I thought it was cool. And it's cool because it weakened him. Didn't yeah. kill him, but it weakened him enough to give Koichi time to just yeah. crash the plane inside of his jaw. So for me, like I so I gave this movie four out of five. I gave it an eight out of ten. It's a great movie. But there's something the stakes weren't quite there for me in the second half because I love the plan. I thought it was a lot of fun. And then the execution of it all, I thought it was really entertaining. It was great. It looked fantastic. But the thing is, they had a plan, then a plan B, and then basically a plan C. And so that told me they're going to do plan C because otherwise they wouldn't mention it in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like that always happens in movies. I mean, not really. It always goes to plan B or C. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No. Whenever they bring up plan B or C, it always goes to that. No way. See, I I thought it was slightly predictable that his jet was going to have a, an ejector seat. Yeah, I knew I knew I that, knew that was yeah. going to happen, so I knew that Koichi was going to survive. Yeah. And I think that if Takashi hid that, if he kept that a secret, I think that would have been a huge surprise. Yeah, it should have been like Dark Knight Rises. Like, we didn't even know he ejected. Exactly. That yeah. would have been really cool because as soon as they saw the jet, as soon as Mr. Tachibani got inside to look at the jet and he looked at the seat, yeah. in my head, I'm like, oh, it's an ejector seat. And he saw the writing, obviously, in Japanese saying ejector seat. Like, I, I also, I was like, so that's the thing is le leading into the final confrontation, I knew that the sinking wouldn't work and the rising wouldn't work. And then I knew that he was going to fly into the mouth and blow up Godzilla's head, and he was also going to eject your seat out. And so for me, even though I had a really good time watching it, and I thought it was a lot of fun, I knew how it was going to end before they even started the confrontation. See, I think that what they were trying to do was throw people off the scent by thinking, making us think that Koichi was just going to by himself fly his plane kamikaze style into Godzilla's mouth yeah. and not even do the plane with the trench. But then they kind of took – they made it seem like that was going to happen when Godzilla's on mainland, but then he lures him into the trench, yeah. and they go with plan A for an attempt. And I think it was cool to to show plan A work. and make, It worked. It didn't just didn't kill Godzilla. Yeah. But it was really fascinating to, like, what would you do if this being – if this creature was destroying your planet, destroying your city, was coming to shore? How would you take him out if you didn't have the military's help, if the government was not going to help you, yeah. but you have access to intense weaponry and battleships, basically? So, yeah, I thought it was super creative, and I loved it. I just think that since I, I already knew how it was going to end, it was I had predicted it perfectly. So what I think would have helped it make it a little bit better is if none of the plans worked, and they improvised a new plan on the spot and killed him that way. I think it would have worked better in that regard. 
But that's just me. Do you think Koichi should have died in the end? I think that um, I would have been okay with him dying and you know doing what he couldn't didn't have the courage to do earlier. But it, I think it worked better with him surviving and having a family because he deserved that. But I do think that like the, if it if there could have been if everything went wrong, and it looked like they were gonna lose everything and Godzilla was gonna win, and then if they came up with a, something really quick on the fly and tried it and defeated him that way, it's something that nobody could have predicted. Yeah, maybe if maybe if Koichi wasn't gonna go into it in terms of I'm gonna kamikaze Godzilla, yeah. but it's like his last ditch effort. I, yeah, I think if I think if they didn't um, plan that. And if he was just used his, I think if the plan was him just to be a distraction and nothing more, and then crash and then the crash ship, the, the ship, plane. that would have been better because we wouldn't have expected it. And ejector seats, yeah, too. exactly. That'd so cool. it would have worked better. But I think because we were told all of the aspects of the plan, if there are three, if there are two backups, then obviously the first and two aren't going to work. So I walked into the final battle knowing how it was going to play out, but th- I still enjoyed it though. I like the science. Yeah. Magnets, bitch. Magnets. Science. Yo, Mr. White. Decompression. <laughs> I thought it was a really cool plan. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very different from any kind of Godzilla movie. And in case anybody's curious, I'm guessing that the way that Godzilla is able to be above the water for interactions is because his body is so big it floats. Because I don't imagine yeah, I Godzilla. About I don't that. imagine Godzilla's like kicking his feet the whole time, like a little, <laughs> like a little duck. Yeah, I think because his his mass is so large that it floats. Is my guess. I have no idea. I, I'm. I just picture he's a little ducky, a little duck, <laughs> kicking his feet. I love the music too. So Naoki, Na, Naoki Sato did the music, and not only did he make a lot of great original compositions, but they went back in time and brought the Godzilla theme as arranged in Mothra vs. Godzilla. Dun 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 dun. It was really badass. What rap song was that in? Um, that was made famous dun, 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 in, dun, dun, in some, like, some, maybe like a Run DMC dun, dun, song. Dun, dun. Maybe RZA. I think it was Wu Tang. I think RZA did it. I think for it was Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, it was RZA. And um, and then, and then the original film theme from Godz- King Kong vs Godzilla from 1962. So bringing those great themes from 1964, 1962, and even some of the themes reusing them for from 1995's Godzilla vs Destroya, I thought it was really cool because it just added so much to the character. It's sort of like we all know Godzilla, we know the music, and I thought it was really special to just have this great Easter egg of. Dun dun dun! Like the it works. Doom Godzilla's theme. It's awesome. It was fantastic movie. It was fucking great hearing the music. Who do you think they're gonna bring in for the second film, for a monster? For a monster? Just Godzilla again. You gotta bring in one of the other ones. Maybe the dragon. The three. I would do Mothra. Dragon. I would do the three-headed dragon. I would do Mothra. I always like Mothra. It's a good name. But Mothra's like a Pokemon name. It is. But obviously they set up for a sequel where. You know, what's left of Godzilla floating to the sea starts to regenerate, which is really cool. I also love to talk about this wonderful little family. So we have Noriko, Akiko, and uh, Koichi. And they're all sort of orphaned from their families. Noriko is this young girl, this young woman who finds a baby after their air raids in their hometown and obviously gets involved with Koichi and stays in his house and kind of inserts herself into his life and he doesn't have the heart to tell them to go, just like he didn't have the heart to put the baby away anywhere, just leave the baby by itself, who ended up being Akiko. And it's really beautiful. It's this sort of surrogate family that found each other in war after the devastation. They lost everyone they loved or know, and they just formed this incredible bond. And Koichi obviously wants to marry Noriko, and Noriko wants to marry Koichi, but as Koichi says later on in the film, 
and how we've been talking about, he's filled with so much shame and guilt, and his war is not over. And it's not until he can defeat Godzilla, Godzilla, that he feels like he's ready to be with Noriko emotionally. His fight is finally over. Yeah, it's really powerful, and I love the family dynamic, and it's so sweet. And you know, doing everything they can for Akiko, and at first Koichi doesn't want anything to do with Akiko or Noriko. And then all he wants to do is provide for them, and he takes this dangerous job of f destroying the mines, the 6,000 mines, 60,000 mines that are floating along the Japanese coast and making the water safe, which is a very risky job, but it pays well. He takes on this risky job so that Akiko can survive and doesn't become malnourished and can grow into a nice, beautiful little kid. He even gets super defensive when Noriko wants to get her own job and does get her own job and... It, I think that's a big moment where he's like, oh, shit, I might, I might lose her. She might leave me if I don't do something about this. Yeah, and she gets that job in Ginza. And then, obviously, when she's in Ginza one day, and little Akiko grows up, and she's so cute. And Noriko is on Ginza the day that Godzilla comes and destroys the city. And I love how Koichi goes and finds her to save her after the train sequence. But then Noriko sacrificing herself to save Koichi is really powerful, and it devastated me. I was rocked, man. I was so upset. Yeah, it sucked. But it was then bad. when Noriko, that telegram that the neighbor got, I'm like, what's the, what's the telegram I knew say? it was her. I, I, didn't, was I her. didn't think it was her at yeah. first. And then when he gets told after winning the battle against Godzilla and he comes to shore— and they run to the hospital. I'm like, Noriko is alive. It was so sweet. It's just a classic Hollywood ending. Just the sun's pouring into the hospital room. She's on the hospital bed waiting for them, been waiting for them for weeks probably, and it's just so warm and happy and just a beautiful ending, and I loved it. They both got what they needed and what they wanted. And what they deserved. Yeah, exactly. It's so sweet. It was a sweet I was not expecting that for a Godzilla movie. I can't wait for the sequel, man, if they make one. Yeah. Well, obviously, they set it up. Because in... Gareth Edwards' Godzilla movie, you had Aaron Taylor Johnson in, um, oh, fuck, uh, what's her name? Stranger Things. No, um, Wanda. Elizabeth Olsen's Elizabeth. in Godzilla? Yeah, so they played actually husband and wife, and they, oh, have, a, they, have, a, they have a child. I barely remember that movie. But there's, man. like, no chemistry, or you don't really feel it at all, yeah. at, whatsoever. They do get separated for a lot of film, but, like, they don't, you don't have, that familial feeling just isn't there at all in that film. Mm -hmm. And... This movie just did the opposite and just crushed it when it came to the emotional stakes and the human story. They really did. And the cast of characters is great. The crew is great. I loved everyone in this film. And I thought it was just a perfect blockbuster. And it's not a perfect movie, but when it comes to blockbusters, this is everything you need. And it was so cool to get this in December. Obviously, it came out a little I earlier Out of nowhere, too. It came out a month ago in Japan. Yeah. So it's one of the—I think it's the fastest— Japanese film to get a American in, in uh, U.S. Canada release. It took it's also the only most successful Japanese film so far in its first week of release. It's decimating. Yeah. It's killing in America. So I'm so excited that this movie's doing so well. It's already made a profit. Sequel it really does make me not really that uh, interested in seeing the American Godzilla coming up. This is the worst thing for Warner Brothers. Yeah, they've had such a bad year. A lot of studios have, but Warner Brothers had such a bad year with their blockbusters, and now. Like I said, I have no ambition to go see the Godzilla vs. Kong movie because I just saw this, and this was awesome. And like, also because I didn't like the last one. Yeah, and it's just this is going to yeah. dilute Godzilla for me if I go see that. Yeah, I'm just like that franchise, the the last one or the one before, I'm not, I didn't really like either of them. So I'm. why would I want to see the third one if I didn't like the other two? And this one's so dope. Yeah. This is bad uh, news for Warner Brothers. They're like, <laughs> they're punching the air right now. Oh, we could have done this for $15 million. God damn it. I mean, they do have a stacked cast, though. Well, actually, no. There's Dan Stevens, um, Rebecca Hall, 
Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, but they're barely even in the trailer at all. Is Rebecca Hall even in the trailer? She's in the trailer, yeah. She's yeah. the lead. There's like two new leads in it. No, no, there's a new lead. A new lead? Yeah. No, I thought she was the lead. It's Rebecca Hall? Yeah. She's got a different haircut. Oh, the blonde woman was Rebecca Hall? With the short hair. It's Rebecca Hall. They, just oh. get, they cut her hair. Oh. <laughs> she, looks, she looks totally different with she that hairstyle. She looks like a different person. Yeah. Oh my god! You're oh my god! Because her character design is totally different. She's got yeah. light blonde hair, short like pixie cut, different kind of makeup, yeah. and just different wardrobe compared to what she was in oh the last one. Oh my god! I didn't even realize that was her. Yeah, they 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 changed her up quite a bit. She sort of looks like um, because she is she's like looking after the little girl, mm-hmm. the deaf girl. That's who like that, and then Kong and her made a friendship. Yeah. Through communication. Yeah, yeah. So she taught Kong. This is the one where Kong's in this secret bunker. dome facility. Yeah. And nobody saw him speaking with sign language. Yeah. Even though he was surveilled the entire time he was there. Yeah, that, that movie. But somehow nobody saw him speaking in sign language. Or getting taught sign yeah, language. Yeah, getting taught sign language <laughs> over months. <laughs> this little girl's been teaching him sign language for months. And nobody saw this? It was sweet. But what I was, the fuck? I was like, I... <laughs> You don't got cameras? Nobody noticed this? <laughs> I was like, this is so dumb. Giant monkey doing thank you? <laughs> yeah, who wrote this? <laughs> Anyways, I love this movie. <laughs> this movie's awesome. Godzilla minus one. Thank you so much for tuning in Godzilla. to our film. Do you have anything else on it, Anthony? Uh, no, we already said all of our fun facts. Did we? Let me double check. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, Gareth Edwards attended the screening of this film uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said that he felt very jealous while watching this film, stating this is what a Godzilla movie should be like. That feel that tells me that he probably had a lot of studio control over his movie. Yeah, you know that's usually what it is with a two hundred million dollar film. But I loved Godzilla minus one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Again, leave those five star ratings on Spotify and Apple. They really help the show immensely for getting seen by new people on the platforms and charting on there, as well as become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And share us with your family and friends. It is the best way for a podcast to grow. Word of mouth is essential to the success of Raiders of Lost Podcast. And so are you listeners and watchers wherever you're watching. If you're watching on YouTube, leave those comments, like, subscribe, in addition to all the ratings and everything. So thank you all so much for tuning in. See you. Take care. See you next time, I guess. <laughs> James stole my line. I did. I couldn't let you say it. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy-Griggs, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.